Yeah, it would be kind of rough to to sit in a room and try to work while some other schmo tried to record a podcast, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I've been kind of lucky today because I had two meetings where I had to talk. One where I was actually leading the meeting, so I had to talk the whole time. Um, and nobody came in, so and then, but then to, worked. But then tonight, it's like, hello, everybody. <laughs> yeah, like literally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's and there, it's eight thirty at night. Like there's nothing going on. And like I guess people are just coming in here to like eat or something. They're coming in there to to check on their Amazon purchases. Com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin states in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, July the 6th. We have made it into the month of July, which means, yes, football is right around the corner. Um, this week, at least, we're not going to, eh, maybe we will talk a little bit about football at some point, who knows, um, but we're, we're, we're going to have to stay a little bit more on the... Um, the sort of silly season that is um, conference realignment talk. Obviously we did a fair amount of this last week and certainly, um, you know, in light of what, you know, has kind of, um, I I think the, the mood of, of just people um, fans from respective schools, respective conferences, you'd almost be sort of um, derelict of duty or whatever to not talk some more about this, because I think it's the thing that, that people seem to be really focused on right now. You know, Virginia goes out and gets, you know, a couple really nice football commitments, got a really nice basketball commitment with Blake Buchanan, who we should probably talk about um, before we wrap up later. Um, and, and I think that the, the conference realignment stuff seems to be the, um, you know, the focus right now for a lot of people. So we're going to kind of dive into where things stand and um, some of our residual thoughts, if, if it's possible for, for us to still have any. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the program. How's it going, my friend? Pretty good, man. Hope everyone enjoyed their holiday. Um, I'm a little worried by the time this post, it'll be old news already <laughs> with the way things are moving alignment <laughs> wise, but no. Um, yeah, my, my girls are packing for their first overnight camp tonight, so we can run this thing for two hours if you want. <laughs> I don't need to be up there for that. <laughs> Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And uh, I forgot to, to make the joke about your uh, um, message board moderating du jour, but anyway, pretend I did. Um, up in uh, Charlottesville, uh, editor in chief Justin Ferber is also on the podcast, coming to us live from a bunker, um, in and around <laughs> his his home, um, not one of his own design. So if if it sounds a little echoey, it's not his fault. How's it going, my dude? Yeah, I mean it's a pretty lavish bunker. Um, it's just not the way that it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be sitting in my comfy chair, you know. In do you have a specific? Wait, do you have a specific specific chair? Uh, I mean, not really. It's just like my office desk chair. I work from home, so I mean, I just yeah, had I this just vision. work at my desk. When you said that, I just had this vision of you like wearing a robe with like a pipe and a cognac, sitting next to a fire in your comfy chair, recording in your podcast, sharing all your uh, your your thoughts and things on 
all the all the topics. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, I, I record into a, a one of those big shiny horns, brass horns. <laughs> the shiny brass horns. Yeah. Oh god. At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter, and you might get a special guest or two at some point during this podcast if somebody randomly just like walks in here and starts doing like Tai Chi or something. If um, somebody walks in and does Tai Chi, I'm gonna really need you to do an interview right on the spot and yeah. find out what they think of conference realignment. What do you think, person doing Tai Chi <laughs> in the uh, in the commun- communal room yeah. or whatever? What happens to Boston College? <laughs> what that- about? What about but yeah, Vanderbilt? But yeah, so so people know I'm I'm in like a community room, and because in my like place of residence, because my I don't have a part, I don't have a internet right now, so it's been a great day. You realize how much you need it when you don't have it. You realize how much you need internet when you work from home, right? Um, Cavs corner also for Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, yeah, I, I would imagine that in the pantheon of things that you can't have happen when you work from home, not having internet is right out there next to not having power. Like, if you don't have internet, you might as well not even have power. Like, what are we even doing, you know? Yeah. I but mean, luckily, and now I'm far away from the office, so I can't just, like, go into the office. Yeah, that's work. true. That's true. Um, speaking of being far away, man, that was a hell of a segue. Woo-hoo-hoo! This is, I'm a pro, folks. This is what, you, this is what you, yeah, this is what you pay for. Um. So speaking of far people are paying us, right? Um, I, I'm I have it's been a weird week. All right, it's been a weird week um, because I feel like everybody is sort of like on pins and needles a little bit. Like everybody seems to be waiting for like some other shoe to drop or some other nugget of information to to fall from the sky or on the Twitter machine, and and like nothing seems to have really materialized. I, like the Pac-12 and the ACC are like in a loose agreement to basically don't not do anything or whatever. Um, which sounds like they, two of them talked to each other and then they didn't, they didn't want to actually, ha- you know, make the mistake again of not signing anything. Um, rest in peace to the Alliance. And, and then basically they walked out. We're like, well, we got to tell our folks we did something. So that's what, that's what we got. Um, it's essentially like a weird Mexican standoff, but if nobody had guns, um, you know what I mean? It's like lawyers, right? It's like everybody just stand around and point at each other. Um, it's like the office meme, you know? Um, but for, you know, to try to encapsulate where things are, they're kind of in some ways exactly where they've been. The questions have just sort of ebbed and flowed. The, the general kind of rumor consensus vibe, whatever you want to call it right now is that somehow or another Carolina, Virginia might be a package deal to, I don't know, the sec or possibly even the big 10, who knows? Um, I haven't heard a lot of, um, you know, other sort of buzz that that seems credible, right? About other leagues actually adding anybody. I know, um, you know, the Big Twelve is certainly in a position where, like the ACC, like the Pac-12, they they really could use some help. Um, but I don't think they're in a position to really do much. The Pac-12 seems to be sitting, um, staying pat. ACC right now, at least, seems to be staying pat. But you have to think everybody's looking at their options. Um, what's the last week? I mean, Dave kind of unplugged for several days, so we're not going to, I'm not going to bother Dave with this topic, uh, or this question <laughs> on the topic, but Ferber, in terms of, you know, you're, 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 you're our, our realignment correspondent, right? Um, which for the record, if anybody hasn't checked out Ferber's, uh, breakdown the other day, I thought it was really, really well done. Um, you have a specific skill of being able to like take this stuff and synthesize it in a way that makes sense. Even if like, there's a whole lot to process, I, I feel like I feel smarter, when I, when I read your stuff on these things, um, as opposed to like when I'm trying to figure out my own thoughts and then it just meanders into, you know, 
the void. Um, but what what's the la- it, it, do you feel like there have been any substantive changes since last we spoke? Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned like realignment correspondence. You like you don't think about this stuff at all, and then all of a sudden you have to like dust dust it off. It's like how everybody when COVID happened became like a you know an expert on viruses and you know, things like that. Um, yeah, I mean substantial probably not i mean there have been little tidbits of information that are certainly interesting you know that are coming from you know good sources particularly in the pac-12 um you know the thought you know today that the big 10 is not really interested in washington and oregon or or whatever i mean like that is something that you know matters because like i wrote in the piece you know like the next move i think is kind of important um what what happens next is important because you know, different dominoes fall after whatever that next move is. And, you know, for the ACC, they're in a different situation because they have the grant of rights agreement that is uh, kind of a mess for the league. I mean, it ties them together, but um, it locks them into a terrible television deal that is not good um, for them. And and it puts them in a bind because, um, you know, the league, I'm not a lawyer, so you'll just have to take this from, you know, what I've read from good sources and picked up myself, but it seems like if they add schools to the league, then they can open themselves up for the grant of rights agreement to be wiped off and kind of restarted. And if that happens, then you're going to lose brands because, you know, if you add, um, man, even if you add Notre Dame, I think you might, you might lose like a Clemson or somebody if the SEC comes calling, if they have the ability to get out, if you don't add anybody, then you just fall further and further behind and, um, you know, have less of a seat at the table. And then ultimately, if that happens, it's a sure thing that those brands that can leave will leave when the when the grant of rights is up in 2036. And then you're in the same situation where, um, you know, you, you, the league basically doesn't even exist at that point. So it's, it's definitely um, going to be interesting to see how things play out over the next few months. If Notre Dame makes a move, if they don't, um, if the ACC tries to do something with the Pac-12, which seems kind of like a Band-Aid that won't really fix the core issue, um, you know, we'll see. But, yeah, UVA – Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about where UVA fits into this, but um, they're in a – I don't want to say they're in a really good spot because they're in a league that's kind of falling behind, but um, I don't think they're as bad off as some, but they're not as good off as others in the league. So um, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out, but – I would, I would say that UVA fans should be like cautiously optimistic that they'll land on their feet, but also nervous that they might not um, for a variety of reasons. I think that that entire sentence you just said at the end really does a good job of encapsulating why this topic drives people batty, right? Like on the one hand, it could all be fine. And on the other hand, just as likely, it's like Schrodinger's um cat you know it's like on the one hand it could all be fine and on the other hand it could absolutely the acc's crumble and uva's left playing like in the odac um and there are other times in this process uh, let's say over the last decade where there it has looked like things were about to get blown up for the acc or other people and then it didn't um like you know there were times where it was like uva is going to have to move now you know like to get to the big 10 or whatever they're going to need to do or you know, like they just fall further behind when like the SEC grabs another school or whatever it is. But ultimately, they were able to get that grant of rights agreement in place um, to basically prevent being pillaged by other leagues or picked off. Um, but ultimately, it's like it kind of traps the schools um, 
which to them probably seemed like a good idea at first because they were all sort of like operating in good faith with each other. But now, you know, there's probably like half the league that's like at least looking around at other opportunities. Yeah. Dave, I feel like I've, I've, I've talked about this phenomenon with friends of mine before. And as a parent, I think you'll get this. There are times when things, your kids go through stages and then they move on to another stage and you, you don't know that they're in the new stage. Um, like you don't know that the, the other, the old stage ended right until you're already in the new one. And so like you, you didn't know that the last time you were going to, you know, do X with your daughter, for example, like I think about like, um, like, is this the last summer I'm going to have where I'm going to be in a pool with her throwing her around, you know? Um, I feel like for ACC fans, we didn't realize years ago that the ACC that we knew wasn't just changing a little bit, but it was essentially on a path to basically changing in a way that would never be back there again, right? So maybe we had a few years where, yeah, you had a, a random team or two here that joined the league, and then you had some more, and it felt weird, and the ACC and the football schedule was odd. But, hey, you know, we had basketball, so it was okay, and some of these rivalries, and you had classic coaches and national championship pedigree, and the basketball was really good. But it, it certainly feels like as you look back on it, sort of like where we've been, that the ACC that we knew, the ACC that we grew up with, it changed dramatically, you know, what, 10-ish years ago? And it's never going to be that way. And this is all sort of related to that same push. It's just a question of how much, um, you know, how much of the, the nostalgia and the tradition sort of got destroyed along the way. As you, as you sort of sit here today, do you think that there's a bone, like a real, like, way an actual sort of um hard you know in the ground sort of way that the ACC can continue on as what we've seen it these last you know handful of years um maybe but I wouldn't put money on it um I mean it feels like I'm just kind of kind of jaded over this whole process I mean I felt like when SEC edit Texas and Oklahoma. All right, fine. Maybe the craziest craziness is over. Um, and then it's not like there were whispers about USC and UCLA. Like we woke up and it was a done deal before we even got a chance to discuss the ramifications of it. Um, That's how the PAC 12 commissioner felt too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like um, now as an ACC fan, I mean, I probably shouldn't like be upset about it because essentially the ACC started all of this. Right. Um, with all of its expansion years ago, but it just doesn't feel like there's any adults in the room, you know, and the NIL thing is one, you know, that's one piece, but now you've got, they're not making these decisions for the good of their student athletes. They're making the decisions for the financial well-being of their athletic departments. Um, and you could also make a case. They're not making the decisions for the good of the sport. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And don't care. Like it's just about money. (laughs) <laughs> and it's all weird because, you know, these we all know why these schools are doing it. They're, they want potentially $100 million-plus a year to be in a conference um, to fund their athletic departments, you know, which is largely driven by football, a sport that we're all discussing doesn't have a good governing body currently. So the whole process just seems weird. Um, and maybe it's easier to think that way when your, your school is being mentioned as one that might be okay, but – I just like what what is a league that's got let's say we're at 40 teams and whatever leagues end up and they're all making the same amount of money yeah like how are you competing then <laughs> you know you're just you're i don't know the whole thing 
surprising, you know, for the Big Ten to kind of expand like that. Um, and then, you know, there's also the part of me that why I'm a Virginia fan, the things I love about Virginia, like, you know, the student athlete and all that stuff. When you're getting a hundred million dollars a year, how much do universities care about that anymore? Like they're going to want results. Your boosters are going to want results. Um, luckily Virginia kind of got it in the basketball side with a, a coach who can do both and win. Um, but does he want to put up with it? You know, is there more pressure? So the whole thing, like, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of nailed it, Brad. Like that's my thing. Um, I'm going to get to as many, <laughs> as many events as I can in the next year or two. Um, because even then, you know, even since the ACC expansion, it doesn't feel like it used to when I, I was a kid. So I want my, you know, my daughter, um, daughters to experience a little bit of it before it's changed. Cause I don't know what it's going to be. Um, and, and that's sad. And I don't think it's benefiting anyone. It's, it's great. Like, but, but why? I don't know why, why do we need this much money? What, what are we spending this money on? Well, if you're the big 10, you need it to afford your travel budget. Right. Um, and just to kind of go off topic a little bit, but the thing that's interesting to me is we just went through COVID what, two years ago. Um, and this is just a little piece, but how does a conference with the you know, geographic spacing we're getting now, how does that work when travel is hard? If, you know, we have another pandemic pop up, um, I don't know. That's just an afterthought, but the whole thing is it's surprising. I don't know what the next step is for the ACC. Um, but the one thing I'll say about the ACC is the, the whole like signing a contract for that long in a space that even back then we knew was quickly changing. It, it just seems asinine at this point. It was, def- um, it was a defense mechanism. It was just a defense move it was, to, to but, avoid losing teams to the SEC basically. Yeah. But you know, it just like 2036, I mean, couldn't it be like 2030? Um, just, and also, they should have they should have done something where they could redo their TV deal along the way or something. Um, well, they kind of did, you know, if they add any more members. But like you were saying, like that does affect the grant of rights at some point. So they've made they've made like three huge missteps along the way. One was the grant of rights agreement being so long, like you said, the TV deal, the the, the delay of the network and everything that like that just didn't go well. You know, the ACC network. Um, they waited way too long to do it. And then once they did it, it was kind of like half-assed for lack of a better phrase. And then Jim Phillips made a, you know, just a catastrophic error voting against expansion of the playoff, which would have guaranteed the ACC a place because you would get an automatic qualifying spot. And he was like, nah, we're good. And so now they're like, okay, cool. We'll just lock you out of the playoff and have two big leagues. (laughs) And then it's like the playoff will be all at larges and you won't get any of the spots. So good luck, you know, being the commissioner of Wake Forest, Boston College and Navy, you know, in 10 years or whatever. I think that's kind of what's happening. What I find so strange about this entire scenario, right? I mean, we we can talk about sort of what the Big Ten budget is going to be in terms of like travel and stuff. But like we already had one that was Boston to Miami. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, Syracuse to Miami. Right. Like the reality is, is that for all intents and purposes, a lot of this stuff has, has been in the works, right? It's just like, it's like, but the cake is finally almost done, you know? And even though the timer hasn't hit yet, we're all sort of anticipating it, right? We can smell it. We know it's, it's getting close. I feel like for a lot of us who are 
old school ACC sports fans who didn't necessarily it didn't feel the same way when Florida State joined the league, right? Um, but it 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 certainly did feel this way when you know you had this sort of influx of Big East teams and stuff, and you tried to find like sort of like a middle ground, a new normal. And to, to for all intents and purposes, we did. But we just we just talked, you know, a few weeks ago about this new football schedule and how we were finally going to be able to see teams that we hadn't seen in a long time. They were finally going to get to, you know, have some traditional rivalries and stuff. And I think the thing for me that is hard to reconcile is that college sports is not professional sports, um, in the sense that professional sports it is literally about the sport itself, right? In college sports, it's it's about not just the sport, but also so much more like the, the tradition, the, the regional side of it, you know, a whole bunch of people went to this school and they always go to these games. Um, you know, you might, you might not have as much of that these days, but certainly you still have some of it. And, and the idea that, that the pageantry and in, in that side of college sports is, is, is so drastically being altered. I, I'm not a Pollyanna. I, I'm not naive. I understand that money and, 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 and things beyond the field of play have long dictated things around the field of play. I'm not I'm not stupid, but I think that there was a system where you felt like that was a little bit more in balance. And what we feel like we're heading towards, right, the cliff that we feel like we're about to just jump off of is the exact opposite of that. Now, I'm not saying that you have to do everything you've always done just because it's what you've always done. Um, you know, I understand if, like, you know, there are opportunities for schools to – um, to make different decisions and, and certainly to bring in revenue and the revenue is there, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I think for me, the place where the, all this falls down is, well, so what's, what's it look like in the end, right? Because we're clearly on some sort of progress process, right? We're clearly in some sort of trajectory where it goes, you know, maybe there's a lull now, you know, you see some folks, you know, kind of chattering about that, that maybe, maybe now, you know, it, it, it sort of stops spinning for a little while. Everybody sort of stands still. Um, we wait a couple years, and then Notre Dame can figure out what it wants to do. Um, do you think there's any chance in, in 20 years that the ACC is what it is now? Well, I think that's – that's and that's sort of where I'm going, right, which is like yeah. a trajectory. The trajectory feels like what we know of as the NCAA is, a, is, is on a path – where it, it cannot it cannot get off the track of being irreparably changed, right? To the point of like it, it will continue to be, you know, this age group playing sports, but it will not be what we've known it to be. The system won't be the same. The way it feels won't be the same. The way we think of it won't be the same. The way we interact with it might not even be the same, right? Um, you know, you start talking about super conferences, this and all that kind of stuff. Like you're basically just turning it into a farm system, which in some ways it always was. Um, again, I'm not naive, but I also understand that like, there's a lot more that goes to college sports than just that. Um, and I'm not saying that it's necessarily wrong that some of these things are changing. Some of these things needed to change some of the, you know, the fact, like the idea of like the student athlete, not being able to, to profit off their own image and likeness. I just feel like there have been, like today's point, like there just have not been seemingly a lot of adults in the room, um, and the adults in the, who've been in the room at the times that they've been there have mostly tried to like plug their ears and not listen to anything, right? They've they've held on to status quo too long, uh, and that's you know that's kind of where we how we got to where we are. Twenty years, I don't know. For what do you think? Do you do you think it, 
What do you think it looks like in two decades? It feels almost impossible to me. Um, one thing I would, I do kind of want to say to respond to what you just said was um, I think you were kind of describing how fans interact with the game, which is obviously like really important. Um, and I think it still applies to most sports, but I think football is kind of a professional sport. Um, it makes the money of professional sports. So that's why we're here. Like that, you know, at the end of the day, they're willing to kind of like make a lot of concessions for other things because of that. Um, and I think you might, be able to, and this is kind of important, I think, for UVA fans, I think you might be able to interface with some other sports in a more traditional way in the years to come, but football and maybe basketball might be different. Basketball has such a perfect model, though, so it's, I mean, I guess you could argue about at-larges versus auto-bids and stuff in the NCAA tournament, but nobody wants to change the NCAA tournament. Um, so, like, I don't know how that works, but yeah, anyway, um, with the, the ACC grant of rights agreement goes through 2036, at that point, even if like the ACC was like, you cannot leave, like there's nothing you can do about it um, and schools fight it and lose or something. Um, if the if Notre Dame hasn't joined the league by then, um, the only other solution I would see would be the Power Five conferences or whatever is left of them, including the two Super Leagues, coming up with some sort of agreement to like break off Power Five football from like Division One um, and do their own thing. It, which I don't think would be that bad. I mean, it, it really wouldn't change much for UVA. You might even get better games and things like that. But that would require those two leagues to sort of be willing to bring along leagues that they know are not on the same level as them in terms of football brands and money. So, like, you know, they would have to agree to that for what, you know, whatever that means. Um, if that doesn't happen and Notre Dame doesn't join the league, which I don't see why they would, because, I mean, unless they just don't want to be in the Big Ten for some reason. Um, or don't want to be independent anymore, which both of those seem unlikely. Um, I think you're kind of out of options. Like people are talking about like add Kansas or add Washington. Like that's not going to, that's not going to materially change your television attractiveness enough to make ESPN rip up your deal and give you a new one. Like, I just don't think it matters. Um, so then you get to the point of like, what can you do? And you know, it, you can try an alliance with the Pac-12 and maybe ESPN throws you a bone to try to preserve, preserve some of their content, which I think is important, but um, that's basically it. I think, so in 2036, my guess would be if the ACC exists still, and I think it will in some form, um, you will see some of the bigger brands, particularly football brands, out of the league, unless something really, really dramatically changes. I mean, if, if SEC schools by then are making over $100 million a year, same with the Big Ten, which is very possible since they're probably going to be close to that on their next television deal. And then in 2036, they'll be on the one after that. Um, and the ACC is making 40. Like, how can Clemson afford to stay around? How can Florida State afford to stay around and, and still continue to compete at the highest level? And you do use that money to pay for these other sports. So, like, I don't think you really have a choice. And then that's, I mean, we'll get to UVA, I'm sure. But like if the big 10 called UVA tomorrow and we're like, we found a loophole in the grant of rights, we, you need, you know, would you come right now? They would be stupid to say no, regardless of that's all true. of the other things that go into it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it is for lack of a better description, it's like high dollar um, musical chairs. Right. And exactly. you know, now, granted, just existing in the Big Ten is not the cure-all of everything, right? Look at what's going on with Rutgers and, um, you know, how much, you know, that university is 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 struggling right now with bills and, and, and that kind of thing. 
Um, certainly we know about Maryland struggles. Um, you know, jumping conferences does not cure everything. And, and I think anybody who thinks that that is, you know, that is it, you know, they're, they probably are um, setting themselves up to be, you know, grossly surprised. I, I, I it's more about there's a Titanic sinking and there exactly, aren't enough lifeboats. Exactly. That's where I was going is that like, you know, I think that it really comes down to, you know, if you are going to play college sports, which we want UVA to do, right? And if you are going to play college sports and you want to do it competitively, which we want UVA to do, and you want to be part of, you know, the best competition and the best leagues and stuff, you need that for a variety of different reasons. You can't just sit idly by as the ground shakes and, and moves underneath you and just say, well, you know what, man, I really loved, really loved the ACC. And even though we're, we're floating off into the abyss, man, at least we're doing it on this piece of property known as the ACC. You know what I mean? Like, as I mean, I love the ACC. I don't want the ACC to change. I would love for everybody to just calm down, and you know, I would love to put the yeah. you know put the pieces back together. Send Texas and 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 Oklahoma back. Send UCLA and UC, USC. You know, do all that. It's just it's just not the world we live in right now. And no, decisions it, are made. So, you know, and a lot of it, the, the logistics of this, are at some point they stop making sense. You know, not just you know the size of the conference or anything. You know, geographically, but so, I mean, what's the biggest matchup? You know, adding Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC—that's great. But if you can't guarantee that TV deal that they're going to play every year, then I mean, is it really that great to add both of them? So well, I think Texas against Georgia matters. I mean, it does, but I mean, yeah, you know, you're still like so. If you add UNC and Duke to a SEC or Big Ten, mm-hmm. like if they don't play each other in basketball twice and football, um, football maybe not, but you know. You want to yeah, see those. I don't, I don't think people are tuning in. <laughs> yeah, for the yeah we're not tuning in that one. But um, it, it's just I little things like that. When you get to a conference that's twenty teams, it is impossible to have. You know, sort. Then you're essentially just a power. The power five has turned into a power two, and now they just get to thump their chest because they got three people into the playoff. Um, I mean, it just like I said, it just. I don't know what the end game is to it. For the ACC, to me, it feels like the ACC's future is directly tied to Notre Dame um, because I don't see, and I'm no lawyer, but you know, like Justin said, short of someone saying there's a loophole, or we're willing to like pay help you pay out. The only other thing I can think of would be like if enough schools were like, you know what, screw it, we're all just gonna like collude and try to leave at the same time, like, or you could like literally dissolve the league, which seems like a catastrophe. But there's um, also a lot of there's enough players in the league who aren't going to have a home if you do that. Yeah, um, it would be terrible. Yeah, I mean when you're 14 in so it to me like the ACC has got to be hard on, on Notre Dame's in Notre Dame's year right now. Like we need you to decide something because um, it feels like to me if the Notre Dame goes to another conference, and takes football with it, that's going to blow up the granite rights because ACC schools going to be yeah, like, whoa, whoa, see, we had a deal with can... them. But, yeah, you can no make one. a case that the contract, I think, has changed at that point because Notre Dame's part of it, the agreement, again, I'm not a lawyer, um, just, just putting that out there. Um, but I think part of the agreement is, and this is something that people forget, is that the Notre Dame does have that agreement to play the five ACC games. Yeah. So, like, the ACC, even though they don't have Notre Dame where they need them to be, they do benefit from having Notre Dame in that agreement. So, like, that. ESPN would be even less likely to give them money if Notre Dame leaves. And that's another thing to keep in mind. Yes, the ACC makes like $36 million a school now or whatever, but the next TV deal will be less if teams leave. 
because that's how it works. That's how it worked for the Big 12. You with Texas and Oklahoma out, they changed the numbers of what they projected them to get, and it was less. So they're not just going to give you that money anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think that's where you run into – you could maybe make a case that, like, some schools could w- wiggle out of it or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's, so let's yeah, Notre this. Dame has to make the decision to me. And yeah, I agree. It seems like the ACC missed an opportunity in 2020, right? Um, to hold them to it, kind of. Yeah. yeah. But Do you I mean, want to play still, in our I conference still, for the year? I still don't know if that would have ended the way you wanted it to. I, I understand. There's a there's a sentiment. I mean, out wouldn't there. It have been better for the ACC to find out Notre Dame wasn't serious. She had just been flirting with us the whole time. Okay. And, so and they, they did. They, they kind of did looking. this to the Big East already, didn't they? I mean, like with all their other sports being in the Big East, and yeah, then they were like, exactly. "We're good. We're leaving." <laughs> like, Guys, at, at the yeah. end of the day, this argument comes down to like you. You, you think you're going to, you're they. they bottom line, Notre Dame in this situation has all the leverage. You yep. can't just wipe that away because they wanted to play for a championship once, right? Like, what were you going to say? Either join the conference full time, or we're not going to let you in, and then you would have one look like a fool Two, soured the relationship with the only lifeboat that might actually rescue you down the road. Right. What, what the ACC could have done all of the options on the table, the absolute worst one would have been try to play a chicken with the, with the bigger chicken. Because ultimately if Notre Dame didn't want to do that and you treated them poorly in the process, one, they would have just figured 2020 out, considered it a blip and then moved on with their life. Imagine if there was no possibility right now of adding Notre Dame. Where would the ACC be? Watching Clemson and Florida State and whoever else throw up deuces and move on, right? The only the only reason, you know, maybe not the only reason, but a big reason the ACC right now can say that maybe there's a way out is because of that possibility. So the ACC playing the Notre Dame hand the way they did, I that that is a lightning rod for so many people, and I'm like. Y'all, that's not how business works, man. You don't go up to somebody who is the bigger dog and just say, "Either do this or you're screwed." Well, they don't care about you, man. Yeah, it's sort of like a, it's sort of like the both hands are sort of tied, exactly. like in that. It's like they're both sort of in a standoff, and it's just like, well, like we don't want to join a league, but we really appreciate the relationship to continue. And the ACC's like, we'd really like you to join the league, and they're like, let's just keep it as it is. <laughs> um, but you know, and and the thing is too, like. Yes, the ACC can try to get Notre Dame to join the league. What's Notre Dame's incentive to join it? Like, the only thing the ACC has going for it is maybe these other conferences get so big they're like, we're not going to play. We don't have time to play you, Notre Dame. Um, well, that, and that, which I is think, not well, going to happen because they want Notre Dame money too. Or you could potentially make a case, and I wouldn't make this case, but you could make the case that perhaps ESPN decides to preserve another league, a lot of um, content a network that they just launched all that stuff. Um, the basketball element, which as we know, doesn't really matter as much. Um, they decide to keep it. So they kind of like make it worth Notre Dame's wild and the ACC's wild to like give them a new TV deal. That's maybe not quite as good as the big 10 or the SEC, but is like not bad enough to completely sink those leagues. Um, and then like keeps them afloat. But basically it's like Notre Dame, you have to join the ACC like yeah. to do this and i don't but i don't and because because the big 10 is going to be with fox so that's the only thing i could think of but like if you're notre dame who value independence that they we've talked about this before they do leave money on the table to be independent they could make more money elsewhere yeah um and clearly now i mean the big 10 would take them tomorrow so i mean it's well, not just about the money for them and if it is about the money then they can just go to the big 10 where they'll make a lot more money 
I feel like the one of the one of the realities of this entire situation is that a lot of it is driven by things that are not central to sports, right? So if you pay attention to the way that multi-billion dollar media companies make money in the 21st century, you understand streaming, you understand sort of the the complexities of content and IP and whatnot. ESPN right now is in a really tenuous spot um, because the reality is, is that for a lot of people, they don't care about sports. I know that 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 always, you know, sounds like you know blasphemy to people who listen to a sports podcast. But there are a lot of people out there who have been paying for ESPN for a long time and then did not realize it. And as cord cutting has become such a thing, we've we certainly understand that a lot of the losses that ESPN has seen in terms of its revenue comes directly from people who are cutting their subscriptions and whatnot. Um, forcing you know providers to essentially say, okay, you know what, we're not going to, we're not going to, you know, foot the bill or you know kick this over to to more people and making them cancel their subscription to our service just because they don't want yours. So it's in the interest of the ESPN to essentially do what it can to control rights. That's one of the reasons why the grant of rights is such a um, you know such a big deal because live sports continues to be the one thing that terrestrial television can do and do well, right? It is the one place people will genuinely turn it, tune into a television set at a specific time on a specific day, right? It also gets people to subscribe to streaming services. Exactly. And, and like, I, genuinely... I have Peacock to watch the Premier League. Do you think I would have Peacock if it wasn't for the <laughs> Premier League? No chance. <laughs> for we're not really feeling that uh, Yellowstone life. Um, but I think one of the things we have to keep in mind is that if you're ESPN, to Fer- you know, Ferber said that you know he could make the argument, though he wouldn't, that it might be in the best interest of ESPN to have you know another league. And I actually genuinely do think that that's cr- that's right. I think in in ESPN's world, the worst thing that can happen is that they have one mega team league. Fox has one mega team league, and all of the other leagues that ESPN has access to, all the inventory doesn't matter, right? That basically they're just getting paid peanuts for that. That nobody cares about it because it's such a lower tier, right? I, I think for ESPN, especially if they're, and I think they will eventually have to launch their own streaming service, you know, where you actually can pay for nothing. You know, right now you can pay for ESPN Plus, which is like a handful of other stuff that's not on television. I'm talking about an actual over the air um, ESPN option, right? Where you, you have mean you like a Disney Sports exactly. Or like so, if if D- Disney Plus, but for you know sports right um where you get all of it at once all you got to do is pay your flat fee straight to to, to the disney core um I, I think one other interesting piece of all this is that there are other streaming opportunities out there who don't have the same baggage and that sort of um albatross of cable tv around their neck right you know there was a report that as soon as usc and ucla announced that they were leaving or as soon as it got announced rather that that usc and ucla were leaving for the big 10 that apple apparently re-engaged negotiations with the big 10 about its streaming package right i don't believe that apple or amazon or even netflix could get into live sports these streaming giants have the infrastructure to do the thing apple's already doing baseball games on friday nights they've just bought um you know, exclusive rights to Major League Soccer. They're apparently the odds-on favorite at this point to get Sunday NFL ticket. So, right? So, if if it's in ESPN's best interest, right, because live sports does dictate a lot of what happens, um, you know, in terms of, you know, packages and all that fun stuff, it's in ESPN's best interest to have as much inventory as possible. 
And so I do think that it's in their interest to have leagues like the ACC. Um, the thing that we have not talked about, and this sounds really twisted, you know, tinfoil hat corner, okay? But I'm not convinced that ESPN won't do everything it can to hold on to, to that sort of diversified portfolio of leagues in large part because when the NCAA tournament rights come up, I think ESPN is going to want to really make a run at that. Um, now, I'm not, not familiar for when CBS and Viacom's deal comes up. And um, it's a big deal. I mean, they, huge, I, it is huge. Well, they, I mean, added, yeah, they added Turner and all that stuff to it yeah. as well. But, so but I think huge, that, when, when, that when that thing, when that time comes for that to be renegotiated, I, I think ESPN is probably probably as thirsty for that specific deal. Now, granted, the NCAA has not wanted to, to take it away from CBS. Um, I don't think they've gone as far as to take less money for it, but certainly I think it would be in ESPN's best interest because ESPN already has the infrastructure to be able to have all those games in places where fans would know how to find them. Um, they're the, they, you they know, do, they have the women's tournament. It works right. They have the women's tournament and they've certainly, you know, they certainly would love the opportunity to have the men's tournament that could, that could be the vehicle through which the, the ESPN Disney can actually break itself away from cable TV and say, Hey, we're going to do this and we're going to be on every streaming box. Um, cause by the time that they get to that place, you know, yeah, they 2032 clearly Disney will have learned a lot, uh, as a, as a corporation about streaming, you know? Disney one thing I will say is in the world. The one thing I will say is that you sort of made the point that maybe they don't know what they're doing because all these leagues are driven by networks, of course, because they have to talk to the networks to be like, if we add this team, like what's that worth to the TV contract? Yeah. Adding Rutgers was totally pointless. Like right. that did right. nothing for them because yeah, like you said, they lost all those cable subscribers and, and the people bring that up on the boards and stuff now. Right. And I, I'm not telling them they're totally wrong. Like, I think the LA network or the LA media market matters some in the deal that they just got, but that's not why it's more about brands now and marketing, which is why a school like Clemson, Florida state, whatever is worth something, even though he like Florida state hasn't been good at football in a while, but it's a brand people know um, a football brand. So like, I think that that matters, but I guess we should probably talk at least a little bit about how UVA fits into all this. Um, <laughs> Cause like, I mean, you get, there's a, a, somebody, it was, it was Damon. He was like, what are people saying about like realignment? What do they want to do? And I was like, it's really like a wide variety of opinions um, on the board and elsewhere. I really think that like there's so there, every take, I've seen every take between let's just blow it up and get rid of sports to join the SEC and that will actually be good. <laughs> you know, So like everything in between. I feel like the, the Carolina, Virginia, you know, move as one thing. Um, it seems to be the thing that is the most out there that, you know, they're sort of a package deal. That's, that's been something that's been, you know, bandied about in various realignment talks. Um, there seems to be, I don't want to call it momentum. I, it's not momentum, but there does seem to be at least a lot of chatter about the SEC. Um, I feel like if you were going to choose between the SEC and the, and the big 10 and you wanted UVA to go to one of them, um, Dave. Yeah. Let's start with Dave. Dave, what do you think? <laughs> if you had to, he had to choose. You got you get to choose your new home. I, I'm kind of been torn on this the whole time. I, from a from a football fan perspective, I prefer the SEC, but I think as a kind of what UVA is, the Big Ten kind of fits, and you've got 
you know, fits a little better. Um, I'll take either. <laughs> yeah. Quite at this frankly. Point. Yeah. I mean, um, I think the nostalgia about the ACC, like I understand why people are there, but you have to see the logic, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, I, I'd love the ACC to stay the way it is, but the only way that happens, like we just talked about Notre Dame making a decision, um, or maybe the others, maybe the Florida States and Clemson say, Hey, if we can just get our TV rights up to 50 million, I'd rather stay here and have a better path to the potential playoff spot. And then maybe um, you bet on like winning games in the next 10 yeah. years. I mean, it's not like the ACC has deal. been stellar and that made Clemson the national juggernaut. It was, um, like you don't, do you need a hundred million? Can like, what are you going to be able to do with that? Short of them saying, Hey, we're paying players. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Um, and we could all be wrong. Uh, cause I mean, how many schools out there, I'm not trying to get away from your question, Brad, but these kind of popped in my head while you guys were talking. I mean, USC, UCLA are two big dominoes. What other schools aren't committed you know, outside the ACC um, and Notre Dame, which other schools out there really move the needle? <laughs> you just named them all. <laughs> I was going to yeah, say Notre I mean, that's Dame. That's it, right? I mean, because you it could doesn't maybe seem make a case Oregon. for Oregon, but the fact that Oregon wasn't invited in the first place because they could have exactly. taken them, then that tells you something. Yeah, and then you know, and we we see all the stuff you're reading. You know, obviously they're looking at you know population in your state. You know, are we in that area already? Um, so I don't know. It, it's just kind of jaded and it. I'm sure it's very uncomfortable meeting and I'm sure there's very smart people having conversations behind the scenes and people will get frustrated. Um, but it does see as a Virginia fan, like, what does it mean for us? Like it, it is encouraging to see, you know, Virginia mentioned within just about everyone has mentioned UVA as a target for SEC or the big Ten. Um, and that's obviously that's not just for football. You know, I did have a, a hokey, I wouldn't call him a friend and that guy, I know who's a hokey who kind of made it kind of uh, just scoffed at the idea that Virginia would be more appealing because their football program is so much better. Um, I don't know that the presidents of the other schools really care if your football program is better, but can you bring TV markets? Can you bring a brand? Um, and, and obviously you know, the other tech sports has to those guys too, right? that they, yeah. they might not be able to get over. So yeah. that's one less option for them. Does anybody else feel like if, if you know, like we joke about how every college football coach should be forced to play like Madden, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like every college football athletic director and president should be forced to watch like three or four seasons of Survivor because half the time, like these situations pop up and I'm like, my guy, what, what were y'all doing? Right. Did you not see like the whole like, oh, we're just, you know, let's not change the playoff. What? No. What are you doing? Like, that was a terrible decision. I it's like everybody like, trusts each other, but the people that are actually in positions to actually do something and make them their situation better are like, yeah, we're just going to quietly go about that. Yeah. Like, and, and, yeah. and tell everybody that everything's fine, you know? Like, like this whole well, thing about does, the, um, you know, I was going to say the whole thing about like the Pac 12 and the ACC have this like agreement or whatever. Like, come that on, means guys. Nothing. Did you did you not just pay attention <laughs> yeah, to whether no the alliance joke. crashed and burned? Like what the only way that it? means something is if the ESPN tells them it does and says like we'll give you way more money for that. And that would just be them being generous because it's not on its face value. It's, you're taking the back Pac 10s two biggest brands. The Pac 10 already wasn't making that much money anyway. They're like making the same as the ACC. You took their two biggest brands away. How is that a marketable thing? 
Like, I don't understand how that would make the, how they'd and be look, stronger for a partner. What does that would, title mean? Like they, they might play a title game. Yeah. So what, what am I, the Pac-12 ACC title member? Do and I how would that even work now? if you have the playoff? Because yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. When when I, I said know. I wanted the coastal to stick around, so so we had something to play for. This is not what I intended. Okay. Yeah, it's like, like they're just basically that. trying. They're like, let's just try something, and it's like this makes you seem even weaker. Like it makes it seem like you just have no plan. And the Pac-12 honestly is in a weird spot because they're like halfway between dissolving and you know maybe trying to do something themselves, like the Big Twelve was when Texas and Oklahoma left. Right. But like if those, uh, let's leave Oregon and Washington out of it. But now for now, but like if the two Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah go to the big 12, which they very well could. I mean, it would make sense to me. Um, what do you do if you're the PAC 12? Like, do I you mean, just I like fold up shop or do you like put Boise state in? Like, yeah. and if you do, you're basically relegating yourself to not power five. Right. I still think the ACC should just go out there, get Stanford, get Cal. I understand that they, they don't move the needle or whatever, but at least do something I think ultimately this is, you know, maybe I just watched too much Game of Thrones, but I feel like in these situations, action is the only the, the only thing that is going to be um, rewarded is is as action, right? Um, if you don't go out and do something, you just try to stand pat. You are putting yourself not just like in the crosshair, but you're essentially like opening the door and welcoming the enemy in, right? If 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 the ACC wants to to basically keep itself around, you can just like sit around and be like, well, you know what? We're just going to stand here. We're just, you know we've had some conversations and we're just going to keep the conversations going. Like no. I also I mean you heard some stuff last week about like the everybody got on a call and it was positive, but it's like yeah of course it is because like what can Jim Ryan do about Granite Rights? Like he's yep. not gonna and also he's not gonna tell them like oh yeah I'm working on an exit strategy. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. so. He, <laughs> Everything sounds good until USC and UCLA leave, and then it's yeah. not good anymore. Here's the other ACC argument, though. Like, so if the Big Twelve and Pac Twelve, like, kind of, you know, the Big Twelve cherry picks or the Pac, they figure something out, they expand that conference. Is that conference really much better than the ACC as currently constructed? No. You know, you know, if they get Notre Dame, maybe, but they probably won't. Um, if anything, that might push Notre Dame more this direction. Um, so, like, I mean, at that point, does it become even worth it? Do you just kind of and that's why they probably that's why they haven't done it because they could have just done it. <laughs> like, yeah, you know? exactly. Like it's um, and that's why I kind of brought up who's left out there because no one to me really moves a needle. Um, it's kind of funny, you know, in retrospect. Like you got Texas and Oklahoma, two big rivals who make a move to the SEC. Then you got USC and UCLA holding hands, running to the Big Ten, um, and you see UVA and UNC getting mentioned as kind of driving the bus to the, you know, as being the, the other two along with Clemson and Florida state, the conferences are mentioned in. So does that mean by rule where that's their number one rival that Virginia tech argument's gone, right? Well, and that's what's just, funny. Too. I, the, the funniest, the funniest uh, thing I've heard people say is like, I just hope the tech gets screwed. Like, I don't care. Like, even if, even if UVA is in like a worse position, it's like, I just want them to not have a home. But I mean, I don't want to pick on tech because it seems like low hanging fruit as a Virginia fan, but they are in a, not in a great spot. Um, yeah. It, and, and honestly, like there are places that, I, and they're in better spots than others. So like, there's others that are in worse spot than them. It's just like, there are some teams in the ACC, like, all right, I'll just put it this way. Like if you're Oregon state or Washington state or Wake Forest or, Syracuse like what is the end game for you you know what I mean like 
So there are definitely going to be people that are going to be trying to keep these leagues going because it's like, well, I'd rather play in like a crappy relegated ACC than nothing, you know, or whatever. Like, it's, yeah. and that's what Where's I mean. Miami like Miami in this, like, yeah, Miami, Miami Miami's in a weird spot because like you could make a case that they could be an SEC expansion candidate. You could make a case they could be a big 10 expansion candidate, or you could make a case that they're screwed. Like, I don't know. Um, and and it's, you know, like, I don't think the Big Ten's going to be moving on any ACC schools anytime soon, especially with Granite Rights. And it seems like they're kind of good where they are because if they didn't go after, like, Oregon and Washington, I can't imagine they'd be like, well, let's go ahead and add, like, UVA, UNC uh, with Granite Rights. Um, it's basically like a Notre Dame play. So I think the ACC is in a better position than maybe I would have thought, like, a few days ago, just because they can maybe stand pat and – like hope for the best and just maybe try to figure something out. And honestly, like we can say the ACC, the ACC, but what we're really meaning is ESPN because they're the ones that make the decision. The ACC could go out and get Cal and Oregon and Stanford and whoever and an army and Navy or, and whoever. But if the ESPN comes back and is like, that's cool, but we're just going to give you the same amount of money per school as before, then what would, would you do it for? Yeah. Like, you know, Um, all right. La- last thing on this before we switch over, I do want to talk about Blake Buchanan for a few minutes. Um, give me some odds. What's your forever? What are the odds in your opinion that we get here? We won't record next week cause I'm out of town, but when we come back in two weeks and we record the podcast, will we have substantive updates to talk about or will we be focusing on football? What do you think? What are your odds? I think you'll have substantive updates in college football, but not for UVA. I think you'll have like, Okay. I think I think the Pac-12 Big 12 situation is going to work itself out Clarity. and my okay. guess would be the Pac-12 is kind of done. Like Okay. Dave, my my estimation in when we come back in 2 weeks is that we're kind of be exactly everything is going to be roughly exactly where the, it is now and we're all going to be focused on preseason football. That's very uh, reasonable. This is what happened last year too with Texas and Oklahoma. Right. Like they moved everybody's like, "Oh, it's about to get crazy." And then the season and kinda, everybody forgot. Yep. What do you think, Dave? <laughs> yeah. What are your odds? I mean, a couple of weeks, I think it'll probably be essentially where it is now. Um, okay. Maybe there's some more rumors or a little more smoke, but and the, the conferences don't need to rush this. Um, we know the Big Ten is not going to rush. If they want, they could have, if the Big Ten wanted to take four, like Justin said, I think they could have, they could have put some feelers out to UVA, UNC, whoever they were looking at in the ACC and just make it one big swoosh. Cause if that's your ultimate plan, it's just, you know, they were able to keep, their USC UCLA interest off the board for a long time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put any money that it's anything massive, um, but I don't think it's going to take long because at some point, you know, these coaches for these football programs who aren't locked in one of these power conferences are going to start saying, Hey, uh, what are we doing? Cause all these other coaches are telling the recruits, we're not going to be in a conference when they get there. Um, so, yeah. Um, if anything happens, it'll probably be some Pac-12. Okay. Some Big 12 stuff. Speaking of the Pac-12 and the West Coast, um, you know, Tony Bennett is kind of – he's kind of been on one on the recruiting front of late, right? He took a lot of heat for a couple classes there and had a really nice showing in this previous cycle and has started off the 2023 cycle um, in really, you know, impressive fashion to – to, to basically to be on Blake Buchanan as early as they were this spring, to get him on grounds for an official visit, set that bar. Um, I think a lot of folks thought after the visit and, you know, after that next week when he didn't commit and then he started blowing up, um, you know, along the circuit and whatnot. 
um, that this was not going to be a recruitment that Virginia was going to be as well positioned to win. And the Cavaliers land a commitment from him. Um, probably the best um, outcome for them on a number of fronts, right? It's always good to get a, to get a kid early, um, especially if he's a well-regarded kid. This is like the perfect guy to get early because not only is he a guy that, that you wanted, but everybody else kind of came to the table and you still land him anyway, but you still got him early enough in the, in the process that you can really make some hay um, because now you've got, you, you've got a centerpiece, no pun intended, right? Um, Dave, what do you like about Buchanan's game and, and how do you think he fits in with what Tony and company want to do? I mean, he's pretty good, man. Like he's <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot of clips of like, I mean, he doesn't seem to have Isaac Trout range yet. Um, he's got a nice shot. So that's something can certainly develop, but back to the basket, you know, I'm trying to think of maybe Mike Toby, you know, that skilled at that age. Um, and I know that maybe that's not the greatest comp because Mike struggled at Tom's, but Buchanan is definitely a, a better athlete than Mike Toby was. Um, moves well, quick, seems to have no fear. Um, and you, you team him up with with the guys they've added, like that's a pretty good some that's some good bigs to build around. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you're the ratings expert, and I don't know when they do the. Oh, he's the ratings him, expert. I think he's probably top yeah, sixty yeah. or so, right? People I mean, are going to be like, "Brad, why'd you why'd you downgrade why'd you everybody? Do why'd you do this?" Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's definitely a top one hundred recruit. <laughs> Not that anybody would ever accuse you of that in the past. <laughs> Not that everyone would do that. But yeah, and no, I like him a lot. Yeah, there's the short version. Ferber, do you, you, you Dave just mentioned Trout, right? Um, do you see Buchanan and Trout playing together in your? I think it would. I, I think they could. Um, I think it gives you the versatility because they have some similarities in their game that you can right. kind of play one in, one out. You can play both in the post. I think you'd probably be doing the former more. But, right. um, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think Trout's a better shooter at this point or seems more proven. Um, Buchanan was really tearing it up this summer, spring and he, summer. Like, he really I watched a bunch of his clips. <laughs> I watched a bunch of his clips Monday um, and, you know, just kind of getting ready for the week and, like – I mean, he, I can see why he kind of blew up seemingly out of nowhere because he plays in sort of a remote area. And, um, you know, like I think he really just bloomed as a yeah. player. And, and I think his, I think he might be um, not to diminish Trout's ability around the basket. He might be a more polished like finisher around the rim. And I think he runs really well, which kind of lends itself to maybe being able to um play the play in the pack line really well as a big man. So I really think you could play them both together. And I think you might see that at some point down the road. Yeah. I, I think for me, you know, Buchanan's a kid that, you know, when he first popped up, I mean, you know, a lot of us are sort of, you know, stepping and fetching a little bit to, to sort of get, uh, get a handle on it. Right. I mean, I mean, I remember adding him to the, to the database, you know? Um, but I feel like in watching, you know, what I've seen from him on the circuit, you know, this spring and summer, you know, he, he has a lot of the kind of tools that Virginia has really lacked among actual, you know, more traditional bigs in these recent classes. You know, we've been very focused on these bouncy bigs, guys who, you know, are, you know, uh, multi-jump guys, right? Uh, and th I'm not knocking that by any stretch. Please, please don't mishear me here. Um, but I, I, I think that because he has sort of that um, varied skill set and because, he, you know, he's got soft hands, he can finish around the rim to Ferber's point, you know, he... 
in a lot of ways, he's kind of what I think fans thought maybe Kafaro was going to be when they got him, right? Um, now, Kafaro had a toughness to him that I think sort of there's a contrast there, right, um, to some extent. But I feel like given where he is in his game and given where sort of, like Ferber said, he's blossomed at like the right time, Buchanan is such a really nice addition for them, especially on the heels of a really nice recruiting class, that you can put him with those other guys and really see it working, right? Um, if you he's think almost about, like Mamadi in a kill, man. Like, yeah, a little bit bouncy. Yeah. yeah, he he does have some bounce to him, and and I think what you know we we are so focused on just like the long wiry, you know, like you know whether it's Trout or um, uh, Jay Huff, you know those guys, Shedrick to some extent, right? Like he's a little bit different in the sense of sort of how he how he gets a lot of his points, but man, he he's got a lot of athleticism to sort of get down the lane. Um, you know, Ferber's point about his, you know, his speed. He's he's a very. I think he's got good feet. Um, certainly, his agility is 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 an is a is a is a plus. So I mean, you can see him sort of hedging and getting down the lane. You know what I mean? Like you can just see that uh, in his clips. And you have to think that, considering the um, you know trajectory of his career and sort of where he you know where he's come from to where he is now, there's a lot of clay there. Um, and certainly, Virginia's shown you know that they can get guys. Um, you know, and develop them. Um, that five though, if you think about like the 22 and 23 class as they, at least as 23 stands right now, put them together. And that's a hell of a lineup, man. Um, you know, I don't know if you have a true, you know, if you wanted to think about playing those five together, right? Like, could you really play, um, done at the two, uh, you know, probably not. Um, but I mean, that's a nice group of five really talented players, um, and I'm sure Tony Bennett is beside himself just thinking about the um, the influx of talent. I, it just it's just very interesting to me that after a couple of classes after 16, where you know they took a lot of heat for you know lack of stars, you know whatever. I think these last two classes have shown that they have they have certainly tweaked their approach and it's worked well, right? They have gotten guys that they really wanted. Some of them they've had to you know they've gotten early. Some of them they've had to wait on. Um, but I just think there's just a whole lot to like about that five, and and you know, on Buchanan specifically, just because of the versatility of his game. He doesn't have to go out and hit a bunch of threes to sort of make the impact that he can make. And that's a guy I think they really needed, um, especially because I think that it really fits Trout's skill set, you know, really well. Um, it's really weird I, how it's easier to recruit when you've got more clear <laughs> paths to playing time available, and a, think, and a conference. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that too. <laughs> I feel like uh, you know, considering the way Gonzaga has uh has played of recent, you know, of late in these last couple of years, you know, and how as talented as they've been, um, and as you know, the, I mean, you can quibble on you know when the offer came and all that fun stuff, man. But you know, the bottom line is that Virginia was able to hold on to this kid, um, in in a way I think that typically just does not and this is just not the way these recruitments typically go you don't typically get a guy on campus for your visit he takes a visit goes home and then just blows up some more and gets a bunch of offers <laughs> that was what still, i said earlier the offers were like that's when you'd be like oh he was waiting for more offers he got them he gone and yeah, what and he, he said that offer um, like right before he announced i'm down to two you know yeah i, I think that you know when he he gave a you know Houston caught up with him and he, and he talked about, um, he talked about sort of the idea of like, he got to a point where he's like, all right, look, 
I'm going to go out there. You know, if, if I'm not getting any new interest and in what am I doing, I should go, go ahead and commit to UVA. And so it's almost like in his mind, he was always committed to UVA, but he didn't want to sort of like close the door on other opportunities just because he hadn't seen them yet. You know, he wanted Which, to be able to do that graphic with the UVA Gonzaga top two. <laughs> well, I think, you know, that's, yeah, that's fair. Um, I think ultimately what he really wanted, though, honestly, was that he wanted to be able to, to when he when he announced that commitment to UVA, he wanted to know that 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 he did it the way he wanted to do it. I think there are some guys who, who make that commitment early on and then sort of hang on to it versus like wait to make it f- official. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I know for a lot of you know recruiting fans and stuff, like it drives them nuts when you have a guy who like says he's committed, but he keeps taking visits and, and all that fun stuff. But I, I do think for him in his head, he was, com- he's been committed to UVA for a while. It's just like, he was waiting to see if any other schools would sort of, give him get you know what what opportunities were going to come his way and then was there anybody else out there who could sort of supplant uva as the school to beat in his mind and just never moved and then he got to a place he's like well look if they're not gonna they're not on me now they're not offering they're not interested and i need to you know i need to move on with my my life and i i mean i thought that was really a mature way to look at the whole thing especially for a kid who blew up late and to get the attention he got uh, you know to to sort of look at and say you know i'm not even gonna wait for the rest of the summer i'm gonna go ahead and take this thing uh, now I thought that was really telling. I think that tells yeah, you. Yeah, and, and also it's like he waited for the Gonzaga offer, which for a lot of kids in his position would be the dream offer. You know, like they're the local school for him. So it spoke hands just right down the road. And he waited. He visited there. He got the offer, and he it, he still had UVA ahead, right? So like it's like, well, then what are we waiting for at this point? Exactly. Um, all right. So last thing before we wrap up this week, where do we want? What do we think they should do with? Um, with the focus for 23 now what do you think they need like if the you, you're putting together the shopping list you know is i mean that's to me i mean that's the biggest most glaring yeah you know yeah. need is a is a point do you want do you want a traditional sort of floor general point guard do you want a scorer who can also play the point what do you think fits best with mcneely i mean i don't know what mcneely is yet because he's got a little ball handling in him um but i, I think you you kind of want I'm trying to think of a player we've had. I mean, give me, uh, give me Malcolm, uh, give me Reese Beekman with a little bit better three pointing point shooting. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was thinking no, like, I mean, if you think, think of McNeely as kind of athletic guy, if you think of McNeely as like a Kyle guy, you know, yeah, that's kind of where I was getting. Then yeah. maybe then you do need a Ty Jerome, right? Um, yeah. Because I mean, one thing that they do have with the varied wings and forwards now is they do have a lot of playmaking ability. And they certainly have a lot of length on the defensive end. So you really could, you could go with a small point guard here, you know, a bulldog kind of, you know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, Kihei level bulldog doesn't have to be, you know, a guy that small, but you could go with a smaller guard and still have plenty of length. Um, but what if you were to get like a six, three, six, four lead guard who can play one can play on or off, you know, um, a guy with a good first step guy who can, you can put on, you know, one through three, um, I realize I've just described like a unicorn uh, of sorts. Yeah, yeah. But that'd be, that'd be great, Brad. <laughs> go find Malcolm Brogdon, Brad. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they might even need two, you know, two points. That's, um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you, you could go for the Dillioni kid. And if you if you've seen Ryan, if you've seen Ryan Dunn in any Eclipse, that boy is big. He's tall, he is tall man. man. The pictures with him and um, Trout and Shedrick, you're like, oh, he's he's oh, yeah. tall. He's like, not. He, he's not he short. Might be more three four than two three. Um, yeah, that's so. fair. Um, the El Marco kid, um, 
you know, if you think about like you're talking multi guards, you know, like there's a there are a lot of good options. The one benefit of them being, you know, having Buchanan in so early is that, like I said, you, you can kind of build around him. And uh, yeah, I would say I would say a lead guard. Um, I, I would prefer that they stay away from these guys who are, you know, liabilities from three. Um, I think if you could pair McNeely and Trout um, with a guy who can not just you know dribble drive, but who can hit a three, you know, hit the three with some consistency, um, I think that's just a lethal combination. Um, I realize every team would love to have a guy who can dribble drive. I'm not. I realize I'm not inventing the wheel here, but in terms of skill sets, you know, that really is the best fit. You know, if they can find it, so. All right, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it, unless you guys have any objections. All right, great. That's it. We, I think we made it through without any uh, realignment news, so that's yeah, good. I was checking real quick. <laughs> good. Uh, well, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Overcast, wherever it is they can choose your programs. Um, I, I don't think they technically call it subscribing anymore. It's all following, so follow us on those apps. Um, but basically so that the episodes just show up um, the mornings and you don't have to worry about finding us now, but if you were somebody who found the website or excuse me, has found the pod, but not given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at calfscorner.com. man. Right now we've got Ferber's opus on realignment from the other day, which I loved. Um, uh, Griff caught up with Rodney Laura. Uh, he caught up with, um, um, miles green. Um, so there's a lot of stuff out there, um, from the mothership as well. Um, so definitely give us a look at the website when you get a chance. I want to thank MyPerfectFranchise.net for their support of this website and of the show. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. And I also want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. And I want to thank Dave and Ferber for being graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate it. Ferber doing it from the bunker. Um, and hey, look, nobody interrupted you all night. So there you go. Um, <laughs> so for David Spence, Justin Ferber, and Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. 